Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 60, The Dark Knight Movie Review. This is Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, along with Yancey Eaton, as always. Yancey, uh, we're pretty active on Twitter, I'd say, don't you think? Yeah, um, it's safe to say we're kind of a little bit of a Twitter horse. That's- yeah, yeah, we like to. And if, and if anybody wants to reach <laughs> us on Twitter, they can get us at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBrien. Just remember, McBrien is I-E-N. I spell my name funny. It's the Canadian version. What can I say? Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring up Twitter is I noticed this week on Twitter, Yancey, um, and this is going to really, you know, sort of point out the differences between our generations. Because on Twitter this week, uh, you mentioned that you ha- put up your Spotify list. You put up like, hey, this is, hey guys, this is my top 10 most listened to, was it your most listened to songs on Spotify? Yep. Is that how that worked? Yep. The, the most played songs on Spotify, which it came with the caveat that I don't use the app a whole lot just because I get a lot of my music from the library, um, okay. which sounds kind of dorky in itself. But um, yeah, that was one of my top 10 most played for the app for the entire year of 2017. So, so just to punch up the differences between our generations, if I could, would that be okay? I, yeah, I, sure. I, I, Cause it kind of struck me as being kind of funny. So I thought I better share this with everybody because I don't mind embarrassing myself. So two things, two things here. Number one, I don't know what Spotify is. Are you f***ing kidding me? Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> so, I'm old, remember. I'm, I like Fonzie and I'm from the 70s and 80s. So I don't know what Spotify is. I don't know. I don't use it. I don't know what that is. Um, and the second thing is I'm going down your top 10 list. I don't know one song, not one Really? I've never heard of any of these songs. The only one that I can say that is a person that I've even heard of is number seven, Jamiroquai. And I only know that because the he did this song called Canned Heat. And I think they used it in Napoleon Dynamite or something like that. And so I know I've heard of him. I don't know anyone else on this list. I've never heard of any of these bands or singers or songs in my life. That's how bad I am. Okay, so, so you can just I jump, all, jump all over me now. It's your turn. Jump we've we For one, it is egregious. It is absolutely inexcusable that you've never even heard of spotify it's, it's oh no i've I heard think, of it i heard but i don't know what it is okay fair enough so it's probably the largest if not like the second or third largest behind apple music of uh, streaming services available in the world it's huge it's a behemoth it's changing the music industry you really should know what it is and you should probably use it to be honest with you is this um, on that computer machine thing What's that? Is it? Do I find it on that computer machine thing? Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have to go to the World Wide Web and search for Spotify (laughs) using my Commodore 64. Yeah, I'll go and and log in. And then the second point to this this whole uh, conversation is that you really should know like Paramore. Like I've I've talked about Paramore on the podcast. Like it's one of my like guilty pleasures is that I love really like inventive like strong female fronted indie bands. Like and this is like indie pop. It's really good. You should know about Kendrick Lamar. He's like the most prevalent, most you know. Uh, critically acclaimed rapper of the last twenty something years, probably. Um, some of the other ones, like I'm not going to expect you to notice, you know, know who they are, just because they are kind of a, a little bit esoteric and flying under the radar. But I need to get you up to speed with music. I think we we need to have like a, a, a top five or a top ten show here relatively soon, where mm-hmm. um, it's basically like stuff that I want you to listen to, or maybe something that you want me to listen to, well, like top ten albums yeah. or artists or something like that. Because I we, we we each gotta feel each other a little bit more. We've touched on music just a little bit. We've done like the vocalists, and um, I think we've even done best albums of all time. Um, we need to we need to get back into that and start you know diving into the music a little bit more. So I like your idea. So these would be like a list of albums or songs how about we just go with songs that i want you to listen to 
And then you have to give me songs that I have to listen to. So we'll have to give them to each other ahead of time and then come in and talk about them. I like it. Yeah, no, I'll do that. Uh, okay, that's good. Like because it. like I say, I go down this list, I've never heard of Danny Brown or Survive or Father John Misty. I looked at, I'm like, I don't know who any <laughs> of those people are. So anyway, I just thought I'd mention that just uh, off the top of the show. So anyway, you ready to get started? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, let's go. Oh, yes. I just thought it was like a new movie that came out with you oh, a couple man, years oh, ago. Man. So, oh, <laughs> man. For those of you who are like dental enthusiasts. Back in 1978. It sucks. Getting a little bit too frisky with Molly Ringwald. I am a textbook nerd. There's tons of beautiful people in the world. You co-host with one. Do you see what I got to put up with every week? Okay, so this week the movie was over to you, Yancey, and you threw one at me. I really, I really gave it to you at the end of last week's show. Sorry about that. Uh, because first of all, you mentioned that the movie that you picked was going to be called A Dark Knight, and then I said it's so funny. One word changed. I'm like, Wait, you, you mean The Dark Knight? Is that what you're talking about? And uh, so anyway, so The Dark Knight, obviously the second of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, was the movie that you picked, and you uh, had me watch this, and we come back to watch, uh, to talk about it. So um, I'll start things off. Usually I throw it to you because it's your film, uh, but I will start things off by saying I think it's the best movie that you've had me watch so far. I appreciate that sentiment, but are you serious? Because I've really had you watch a lot of awesome movies. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I think I enjoyed it the most of all the movies that you made me watch so far. Okay. I, well, I, I, and, and I have said I've liked some of the movies you made me watch. I like District 9. I like The Matrix. But I think this one might be my favorite one. The most entertaining of all of them, mm-hmm. I think. So I will say that much. But uh, over to you. So tell me a little bit about the movie, why you like it, why it's special to you, and why you nominated it for the podcast. Uh, so this movie came out in 2008. It's written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who makes very numerous appearances on the podcast. I mention him all the time because I, I just think he's he's, you know, this generation's Spielberg. I truly believe that, um, you know, some of it, some of his movies are a little uneven. And, you know, there are critiques and stuff about, uh, you know, like Inception or how certain movies may be a little dense or maybe um, it's kind of missing the mark a little bit. I personally disagree, but I can understand why other people might feel that way. But I think The Dark Knight, beings that it is a, you know, a movie based on a comic book loosely. And, you know, the characters, obviously, it's Batman. It's the Joker. It's, you know, Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent. It's uh, it's. It stands alone as one of the most well-produced, well-directed, well-written, you know, well-acted, shot-everything comic book movies I think I've ever seen. Probably the best I have ever seen. Um, it takes a genre which, me personally, I'm not super into. I know Caveman and uh, all of our listeners who are avid comic book fans might, you know, take some umbrage with this. But um, I, I think a lot of comic book movies are very poorly done, and they almost feel like cash grabs. They're not articulated very well. They aren't thought out. You're taking a character who's literally had sometimes 40, 50, 60 years worth of development and storylines and origin stories, and you're trying to condense that into a two-hour movie and try to make it all make sense. And it, you leave a lot out, and you leave a lot to be desired. But this, The Dark Knight as itself, it is the second out of uh, you know three movies, Batman Begins being the first one. But it, it is a perfect standalone movie. You don't have to know anything about Batman. You don't have to know anything about the Joker, films in the past, or anything like that to understand this movie, to be entertained by it. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate your, your sentiment saying that this is probably the best movie I suggested to you. Um, you know, for me, I think that's debatable, but I will agree with you that from an entertainment standpoint, this is probably one of the most entertaining movies you can see ever. Um, watching this in theaters, I, I remember watching it three or four times. And just from the very, very get-go, I mean, the opening scene, probably one of the best scenes in the history of film. And it's just an absolute tour de force the entire time. So, I mean, I don't... You, we struggle with this every single week, Chris. It's it's well documented. Chris has the chops. Chris has the polish and the poise, and he's able to you know bounce it back and forth between the two of us. I always struggle with transitions and kicking it back to you. Um, but 
have at it. What else? I mean, what, what so, are some of the things that stood out to you about this? Well, I will mention a couple of things. I'll just kind of build on what you said. So you you did mention Christopher Nolan. Now, the thing is, you did make me watch Interstellar, and you know how I felt about that movie. I didn't like it, right? Mm-hmm. So I I almost can't believe that this is the same director. Because where that movie was plotting, this one is paced really well. And Mm -hmm. where that movie was boring, this one is, I think it's engaging. And I felt that that movie, Interstellar, had very stilted performances and was completely miscast. This one was cast better. I still actually have some issues with the casting in this movie. And I'm sure we're going to get into this later. But overall, I thought the movie was pretty darn good. Although, I will say, compared to Interstellar, watching paint dry is pretty darn good. So, you know, you got to remember that, at least from where I'm, as far as I'm concerned. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail again. I get a lot of hate mail, by the way, Yancey, but it's all good. It's just I put it out there. But yeah, so between the two, like, it's hard to believe it's the same director, but I, I found it to be very entertaining. Some things I liked about it. So you mentioned comic book movies, you know, or superhero movies. Um, and by the way, you were saying some comic book movies are done very, very poorly. I would mm. like, I, I, I got to get you to watch Howard the Duck sometime. Oh man, it's so good. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, 1978, 1978 Superman was probably the first comic book movie, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that strikes me about watching this movie, because of course I put everything in perspective as to the generation that I grew up. I grew up watching Superman, right? And when Superman came out, it was very, very, very clear in that movie, the difference between good and evil. There, and I think right. you could also make that case pretty much for all subsequent comic book movies until this one. The lines seem kind of blurred here, you know, which I thought was interesting about it. To me, that was I thought was interesting. But that being said, I think some of those same themes were also explored in Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, just not mm-hmm. to anywhere near the extent it was in this movie. So I, maybe it's early in the podcast to do this. But speaking of Tim Burton's Batman, what did you think of that movie and how do you rate it against the Dark Knight. Looking back on it, I mean, that was the one with like a Danny DeVito and no, no, Ray- no, 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 that was the, there was a sequel to it. The Batman was was uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was the Joker. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, Chris. But like I said, as somebody who's not just super invested in this, this, you know, the whole world, the whole DC Comics world, right. like I, I don't think I've actually sat down and watched the movie in its entirety at all. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked uh, the ni- 1989 Batman. I actually, I'm, I'm going to get it. And of course, it's because of my generation. But I actually liked it better than this movie, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But I did like The Dark Knight. Like I said, I did like it. But I felt that Tim Burton's Batman was was better for a couple of reasons. Um, and we'll get into that in a bit. But And it's just because, you know, I'm an old guy, right? You know, But but that being said, one one thing I do want to build on, you said that you don't, you're not really heavily invested in, like, you know, the comic book movies, the superhero movies. Neither am I, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've never been a big comic book guy. Like even when I was a kid, I like comic books, but I tended to like more of the funny stuff. I was always like more of a, like a jokester. And so I always like the funny stuff and I was never really into like Batman, Superman, all those kind of comic books. Just wasn't, I wasn't like that guy. So I never really gravitated to these movies as much, but that being mm-hmm. said, I did like the Batman from 1989. So this one's, I will get into a couple of things that I didn't like about it. So um, I wasn't really keen on Maggie Gyllenhaal for some reason. I don't know why. Can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale in the lead role. There were some things I didn't like about it. Okay, so first of all, the one thing that struck me right at the beginning of the movie um, was that he used this funny voice when he's talking. Everybody says this, yes. Like, Everybody like, does like the this. very first scene when he gets in and like, like you know, like there was like kind of like those those crappy like uh, like wannabe thieves and he kind of rounds them up and then he's like, I'm not wearing hockey pants. And he has this mm-hmm. weird voice and I just thought, what? I didn't really like I also got to say, like I... I don't really like him that much as an actor. I think it's always him yelling at that key grip 
on the set of Terminator. Remember when that tape came out and he was like yelling at that guy? So I think I've always yes. thought, kind of thought of him as a jerk, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, the other thing that, that struck me in this movie that, that I didn't like was, okay, so remember Two-Face? So Harvey Dent like gets his, gets in that explosion and like his face gets burnt off, right? And like the special effects are really good. Like I was shocked at how good the special effects were. I usually am not a huge fan of CGI stuff, but I thought that looked kind of cool when he turns his face and it's like all burnt. But the thing that I don't like about it was if his face was that burnt, where it was like all burnt away and the, and the muscles are all showing everything, his eyeball would be burnt too. And it's in perfect shape, the <laughs> eyeball. So it's like kind of phony. I don't know. That's I'm okay. just picky. And the other thing that stood out to me was the city itself. Now, I think this was shot in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think they refer to the movie as Gotham at any point, do they? Uh, they do, in fact. They, they, oh, they, they reference okay. Gotham a lot. They say that okay. Gotham, you know, it's the hero they deserve, not the hero they need, or, you know, back and forth. It, it is mentioned several times that it's actually Gotham. But just, yeah. just because in Tim Burton's film, Gotham was a huge part of the movie. Like it was, it was like a character in the film. Like it was super gothic looking in the sets and gave the whole movie a certain feel. So it was always present in that film where that wasn't really the case in this one. So those are just some things that, you know, I point mm-hmm. out that, you know, kind of I liked and I didn't like. I want to I want to touch on something that you you j- just barely teased at sure. um, at the beginning of this and it's talking about how there's this really blurred line between the good guys and the bad guys. Yes. One of my one of my favorite things about this is um you know like the Joker um w- we need to really talk about the Joker and I'm sure yes, we'll jump back we and forth between it. Um the Joker's character himself he's super super interesting. This is obviously a guy that has you know a serious nihilist streak where um you know he just wants to blow everything up. He wants to watch the world burn essentially and in in his eyes, uh, you, you go back and forth between thinking like, is this guy a hero or is he actually a villain? Or does he think that he's doing the right thing or is he doing the wrong thing? Or is he just, he, you know, he's all about the social experiment. He's just liking to see things be destructive and, and to destroy. You know what I mean? And the same thing with, uh, you know, with Batman. Like you referenced like the hockey pads quote where all of a sudden, you know, Batman has all these imposters, these people who want to be vigilantes themselves and they dress up as Batman and they're trying to do the same things that he's doing. And of course he, you know, he kind of shuts that down and says, you know, you guys hear this again, we're going to have a problem. And, you know, the guys say, you know, well, what is the difference between you and I? Why is it that you get to go out and fight crime and stand up for your city and I don't? And, of course, he says, you know, because I'm not wearing hockey pads kind of thing. So there's like this weird, like, privilege kind of thing where it's like Batman is clearly skirting the law. He's clearly doing things that he's not supposed to be doing. And somehow, you know, he's – He's just free to do whatever he wants, just like with the Joker, where he does do, you know, actually some good things like he is exposing even the corrupt people. And, you know, like there are scenes where he's essentially killing the bad guys. He's burning gigantic stacks of millions and millions of dollars. He does not care about money. Um, He just wants to see everything burn. So, like, there's always this. And, of course, with Harvey Dent, you know, his character actually does like a, a complete turn. And, you know, he ends up being, quote unquote, a bad guy at the end because he is corrupted. And the Joker's whole thing is just trying to to show that essentially, you know, there is this dark side to everybody. And given the right set of parameters, everybody can turn and essentially be, you know, bad or whatever. So, like, there's all these different things going on. Like, even, um, you know, Commissioner Gordon, like, he does, like, some really messed up things. Like, he essentially fakes his death and, you know, leads his wife and his son to believe that he's been murdered. Um, you know, like, that's pretty messed up, too. There's a really gray area there as to why he would do that or you know, so everybody in this movie is is playing both sides, I think, and it does expose like the hypocrisy between Batman and the Joker, and kind of how they are, you know, even even things like the uh, the social experiment that he does on the two fairies, where the Joker, you know, he puts a bomb on either fairy, and there's two different, you know, 
groups of people and they have to decide if are we going to blow up the other group or are we going to wait till they you know blow us up it's playing on that same theme of you know everybody has that good and the bad in them um i mean i'm rambling at this point but i mean do we want to specifically talk about the joker i I mean i i think he's kind of like the you know he's the bull in the in the in the room basically because everything like this whole movie the whole spirit of it the life of it everything like that is a you know a credit to heath ledger and his you know his portrayal of the joker and one of the things that i think is it's let me let me think about what I'm gonna try to say here so I don't sound horribly insensitive. It's sad that he died and it you know, obviously it's sad any time a life is lost like that, especially somebody as young and talented as he was. Um, but it's also sad to me in a sense too, because he was deserving of this award, this uh, award, you know, of being the best supporting actor. Um, and you know he did win the Oscar for it. He was uh, he was worthy of that without all of these, you know, without him having to die, basically. And then a lot, I think a lot of people kind of piled onto it and it became like a sentimental thing to, you know, posthumously award his family this this honor. But like if you were alive and, and given the chance to experience that, like this really is one of the best acting performances I have ever seen. The intricacies, like the little things that he does, how he basically assumes multiple characters within this film and he's constantly switching between them. I mean, little mannerisms that he does, like whenever he goes to the Harvey Dent fundraiser and he's eating shrimp off, like, you know, like shrimp cocktail and just like the mannerisms that he makes, the way he flicks his hair, you know, just little facial tics and everything like that. Like he was so deeply, deeply involved with this character. And um, it's just sad that, you know, it was a posthumous award that he didn't get to experience. And I, I feel like there are people out there who feel like he only won it because he did die and it was, you know, quote unquote, the right thing to do. Whenever I just feel like he was so totally deserving of it and was just absolutely incredible. But, so what do you think about the Joker? I mean, we've seen, we've seen the same character in multiple, multiple forms. You take about, think about this versus like Jared Leto's depiction in Suicide Squad, which is one of the most, awful like horribly overdone like completely misses the mark renditions of the joker i've ever seen so like kind of talk about heath ledger maybe what do you think about him as a character okay so i thought heath ledger was really really good in the role i one of the things i liked about it was how they were basically able to give the joker's character a backstory without actually doing any flashbacks it was yes. just just him like speaking about the, the the scene when he's got the knife in the guy's uh, mouth and he's like talking about how he goes my dad was a drinker and then he came home and he said you mm-hmm. know blah 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 and so so I thought that was kind of cool um, just to build on what you were saying about uh, Heath Ledger so I think that a lot of the overall box office success of this movie was attributable to him dying and I don't want to sound like morbid or anything like that but he died before the movie came out and if you think about it you had this huge population of female moviegoers that were big fans of him. Mm-hmm. And they all got on board with this idea, you know, of making this movie a must-see because of his performance. Not to belittle his performance in any way, but I think there was right. a big groundswell at the time. I remember it. And I think that really helped sort of propel the movie to, you know, astronomical box office success, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, you gotta, don't forget, this movie at one point was, like, what, number three overall at the all-time box office, yep. you know, when it was when, when it finished its theatrical run. And traditionally, I think comic book movies have been driven by male moviegoers. But this one also had women going to the theater to see it. So that really, really helped make it a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I got to say, as good as Heath Ledger was, man, Jack Nicholson in Tim Burton's Batman was amazing. Like, Heath Ledger was a good actor. Jack Nicholson is a legendary actor. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you think about it, when Batman came out back in 1989, Nicholson actually got top billing in that movie. Michael Keaton was never a huge movie star, 
You know, like he got pretty big there for a bit in the 80s with movies like Night Shift and Mr. Mom, but he was never a huge movie star. And mm-hmm. I remember when they announced Michael Keaton was going to play Batman, like a lot of fans got very, very upset with that. But um, but that being said, so I think Heath Ledger was was very, very, very good in this role. And um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think he deserved to win the, the Oscar for it. So yeah, in some ways, like you said, maybe it's almost, you know, it was overshadowed a little bit by the fact that it was awarded posthumously uh, because he did deserve it. Mm-hmm. Something else I want to talk. I just jump around so much. Really flow, but um, so like this is a comic book movie and, you know, talking about the origins of it, you know, Batman has taken on many different forms, many different iterations. And, you know, we've seen his personality change and, you know, the characters that are around him, all, all that stuff changes. But, um, I, I do like that as serious as this movie is, you know, this is a Christopher Nolan film. He wrote and directed it. Um, so it, it does have this dark undertone, but it, at the end of it, it is pretty optimistic and there's, it's, it's hopeful in the end, which I do appreciate. Um, I do love how it's, it's a serious drama. It's an, you know, an action crime drama, but there's also still those little absurdities to it. That is kind of true to the, you know, the comic book genre, like, like really simple things like, um, you know, like you want to see me, you know, make this pencil disappear. And the next thing you know, he, you know, slams a dude's head on the table and that pencil goes right through the guy's head. Little funny things mm-hmm. like that, you know, just like a like you see like the truck and like the one the one scene where, um, you know, Batman is in the, the motorcycle type thing. And, you know, it says laughter is the best medicine on the side of this truck. And, you know, they spray painted a nest and it just says slaughter is the best medicine. Like little little mm-hmm. things like yeah. that where like, um, you know, hey, we have two new openings for our crew. And there's these two guys. He's like, you guys have to fight it out. And he breaks a pool stick in half and throws them each at, you know, a, a, you know half and half of a stick. There's always these weird kind of. You know, they're kind of funny, but there's also like this really, really dark dryness to them that, you know, it, it percolates throughout the entire film. And like I said, it, it's true to the fact that this is a joker. Like he makes jokes. He says like really dark, sadistic things. Um, but it's 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 a serious joker. But he, he's also true to the decades and decades of character building that we've seen. So, like, can you think of anything like that? Like little little subtleties in the film where like it, it kind of, you know, extends that like. Uh, another thing I'm talking about is um, whenever he goes to meet Two Face in in jail, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not in jail. Whenever he's in his hospital bed and he's laying there, right. and the Joker is dressed up as a nurse, and the fact that Harvey Dent does not recognize him <laughs> until he takes off the mask, right. he, despite the fact that he's in full, you know, Joker makeup, something like that, and then as he walks out of the hospital room, he, you know, he has a little hand sanitizer station, and he literally puts on hand sanitizer, and he's slowly, you know, like cleaning his hands, like little, little things like that. They're strewn throughout the entire film, and I just think it adds so much depth and so much intricacy to, like, like I said, one of the best supporting actor characters I've ever seen in a film. Mm-hmm. And th- now, just to build on that, because you gotta remember where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a place of liking 1989's Batman, and I felt that that movie did that very, very well as well. Also, you know. Okay. Like it really played up a lot of the kind of the over the top cartoony stuff, um, while still being dark and injecting kind of those little things into the movie. I liked about it, and that's what I liked about this movie too. So all mm-hmm. those things that you mentioned, I would say, definitely played up uh, that. Uh, just going back for a second to uh, Heath Ledger uh, winning this award, like I think regardless of you know, because we've kind of like said you know like. Not to say that his, like, you kind of made a good point. Not to say that his death kind of overshadowed things or, you know, or people just voted for him just because he died. You know, he, they would they would have voted for him regardless, I think, if he didn't die. Because if you if you think about who he was up against that year for Best Supporting Actor, like, he had that award in the can. 
like there wasn't a lot of competition and he was just so good. He was like head and shoulders above everybody else that year. Um, like his competition for best supporting actor were, were Josh Brolin and Milk, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Doubt, not one of his greatest roles, Michael Shannon in Revolutionary Road. And then, of course, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, who was awesome. But um, mm. but he was just so much better than everybody else. So it's just unfortunate that, you know, I don't want to say it's tainted in any way, but some people might say, oh, well, he just got it because he died. No, 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 man. He deserved it. He really mm. did. He was good. Yep, I agree. I uh, some some of the themes in this film, um, like we talked about morality and amorality, and how you know there's a duplicity to every single person, where there's good and bad, and it's kind of up for interpretation. It's not as black and white as everybody would like it to believe. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but well, of course you noticed because it's it it, sh- it shows itself multiple times in this film. But Harvey Dent's character likes to flip a coin. He likes to leave the yes. chance. Yeah. At one point, he even says like the only morality in a cruel world is chance, and so he likes to leave like decisions up to that. And remember, that's that's the same as the main character in No Country for Old Men which was put out a year earlier where he would just flip a coin. Basically he's absolving himself of any guilt or any, um, you know, blame to be placed for killing these people because it was quote unquote up to blind chance, just like in no country for all men. So I don't know if uh, Christopher Nolan did that on purpose, you know, probably not just because both of these movies were probably in production around the same time. But I just thought it was interesting that there mm-hmm. was that same parallel. Um, can you think of any other major themes, like I said, aside from the fact that, like, you know, there there is good and evil in all of us, like any other kind so, of like overarching themes? Well, two other things that stand out for me in this movie. Again, we've talked before about films versus movies and how much I love utilizing the medium to tell the story. Mm-hmm. One thing I really liked about this was how Christopher Nolan used the IMAX camera for some of the scenes. I thought that was really cool. So he yep. actually used the IMAX for like, the, like the, oh, you mentioned the opening scene, which by the way, not to belittle you or, you know, your generation or this film in any way. But when you said that the opening scene of this film is the, one of the greatest um, scenes ever on, on film, man, mm-hmm. man, I got to have you watch more movies because uh, there's some really good <laughs> ones out there, dude. <laughs> Again, not to take anything away from it, but that being said, that opening scene was shot on IMAX, which is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, it's when he, breaks through the window and comes shooting out like the one of those uh, bank heist guys think like, it's incredible it, it just looks so good and it was used in a couple other scenes like in hong kong and uh and some of the other shots of the city and stuff and on the skyscraper it was really cool like there mm-hmm. i really like that another thing that stood out for me in watching this movie and it kind of struck me as being funny because you and i have often talked about sequels we still got to do a show on sequels sometime but generally i think it's very fair to say that for the most part Sequels are inferior, you know, to the original films. But that's not always the case with comic book movies. Because if you think about it, I think some of the best superhero movies are actually sequels. And I think, for me, this is the third example of a comic book movie sequel that's better than the original. So this one, I think, is better than Batman Begins. Um, The other two that I would mention are Spider-Man 2. I think Spider-Man 2 was way better than Spider-Man 1. It was Really, really, really good. Now, I think they went and ruined it with all those other Spider-Man crap that they came out with since then. Spider-Man 3 and Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man, all that crap. But Spider-Man 2 was 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 better than Spider-Man 1. And I also think the original and maybe the best example ever of a comic book movie sequel that surpasses the original is Superman 2. And I know you're not familiar with these movies. So Superman came out in 1978, but they came out with a sequel in 81, Superman 2. It is so 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 good and so mm-hmm. much better than the original so those were two major kind of things that struck me about this movie but overall 
I, I think you did a good job. You picked a good one. Because to me, I thought it was very, very entertaining. And that's maybe a place where I come from with some of my Gen X movies. Like, I like movies that are entertaining. I want to be entertained, mm-hmm. you know? I appreciate great film. We've talked about that on the podcast before. But for the most part, movies, I'm looking to be entertained. You know, I, yep. I want to be entertain, entertained by them. And, you know, not that I, I don't mind, a, like, a movie like like The Killing Fields that I nominated recently. Like, you know, that's not entertaining in any way. It's it's moving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I think these kind of movies, I look for entertainment out of them. And, and I and I got to say, I, this one delivered. So so good on you. Um, so out of a, a rating of 1 to 10, uh, where would you place this one? I would give this like a 9.5. Oh, um, wow. I, wow. I, I that's say, so high. Wow. That's no good. Like, it's good. It's good. Yeah. For, I mean, if high. you look on, if you look on like IMDb, um, I mean, it has like almost a perfect nine star rating out of 10 and that's with, you know, 1.9 million votes, which, yeah. um, there's, there's this phenomenon that goes on with comic book movies where there is such a cult following with all of these franchises, whether it be Superman or Batman or Spider-Man, where the, a vast majority of the reviewers are people who are very emotionally invested in the film and they want it to be good. Like remember like with suicide squad, I, I just recently watched it a couple months ago and I'm not kidding. It was one of the worst movies I have ever seen. And I wanted to like it. I, you know, I love Margot Robbie. I love Will Smith. I wanted that movie to be good. And whenever you looked on the early rotten tomato reviews, or if you go, you know, any of these like Metacritic sites or anything, they will all have these super, super high ratings, like the weekend that the movie comes out and it's a really distorted, you know, perception of it because the people who are rating it early, the people who are waiting in line and pre-ordering and you know what I mean? Like and dressing up to go see it opening weekend. Those are people who are going to like it and they want to like it regardless. Um, so the fact that a movie like this, where it was, you know, a huge box office success, it, it is an immensely popular film to be able to, to hold that type of rating for so long. Like it really stands to, you know, it, it shows you that there's something there for everybody. Like you talked about, like, ultimately you want to be entertained. You know, for me, I want to be thinking, I want there to be, you know, a certain level of cleverness and intrigue and, you know, just really, really advanced character development. I don't like, you know, gaping plot holes. You know, I like things to make sense. And, you know, the thing about the dark Knight too, is, I, what makes this so different than other superbook or superbook, <laughs> other comic book or superhero movies is Batman is essentially grounded in reality. Um, the universe that he operates in, um, you know, Justice League and you know all the other characters aside, but like this standalone movie, there's not superheroes from another planet. There's not you know people with ultimate you know otherworldly ability. It's basically just a rich guy with money um, who is fighting crime. And in a sense, you know that may be kind of unbelievable, but everything that happened in this movie to an extent could happen in real life you know what i mean it, it it's almost like this uh, alternate you know universe where almost every single law of, of physics and gravity and like human capability is exactly the same and that's why it makes this like super super believable for me so it's um it's weird that i would be so into a movie like this like i mentioned at the top of the show but um like i said it's just done so so well and it is it is weird like if you look in the canon of christopher nolan movies this one definitely stands apart as um just like from a creative uh aspect it's much, much different than some of his past films. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even like I, I went to see Dunkirk recently and I wasn't even overly whoa, whoa, whoa. enamored with that. Oh, Did sorry. Did you just say you saw Dunkirk? Yeah, I went to see Dunkirk recently. Yeah. I am so impressed with you, Chris. Yeah. I yeah. I don't even know what to say. I thought Dunkirk was fantastic. I mean, we'll save that for another show, but yeah. good good yeah. on you. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, of course, of 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, it was okay. It was all right, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think of the of the Christopher Nolan movies that I've seen. This one I think was his best. I'd say. Um, you know, some people disagree with me. That's for sure. I have a question for you. Okay, so two things. I first of all, I have a question for you. Um, have you ever, you know, just mentioning Batman, and you know, we talked about 1989's Batman. You kind of see parts of it. Never seen the whole thing. Um, have you ever seen like? Anywhere on YouTube or any type of video, um, the original Batman TV series with Adam West. I have. And, okay. uh, you know, he recently passed away, too. And yeah. so even if I wasn't like super into a particular thing of pop culture, like I like to go back and revisit kind of like what everybody was talking about. You know, like Tom Petty and Prince passing away, like struck me really, really hard. Right. But there have been other people like, you know, I was never super into Chuck Berry. But when he passed away or um one of the dudes from Emerson, Lake and Palmer just recently passed away. Like, I'll go back and I'll revisit that and kind of see, like, what the, you know, hubbub was about, basically. And I kind of hate, why did I say that? I hate that word so much. But um, I did go back and see that. And that is a really weird depiction of Batman. And it's one that I am not comfortable with, to be honest with you. Like, Batman is, it's almost like a, it's just so campy. And I know you love that, but, like, it is so different. And I'm not saying that he did a bad job, but it's wild comparing, like, what we think of Batman now. Like, you know, like the awful, you know, Ben Affleck version of Batman or something compared to what it used to be. You know what I mean? Like, it, like what, what what are your thoughts on that, the actual Adam West version? Just like, really, really campy. And I like campy stuff, <laughs> but for some reason, I never got into it. Like, I think it was way before my time. And like, I mean, yeah. I'd seen it on like, you know, be on TV and reruns and things like that when I was a kid and stuff. And I just never really got into it. Again, right. I think I think it was a combination of things. It was a combination of the fact that I wasn't really like a big comic book guy, like I said, with superheroes, superhero mm -hmm. comic books. So I wasn't, I didn't gravitate to it that way. I also found it just to be so campy and over the top that I just, just wasn't really my thing. So I just, I yep. never really got into it. I was just curious your thoughts on it. Um, in terms of a rating for me, I would give it an eight. I'll give it an eight out of 10. An eight. That is yep. very, very solid. Yep. It's very solid. Very, very solid movie. I thought it was very, very good. Um, you know, yours is higher. You rate yours higher. I'm coming from a different place i've obviously seen a lot more movies than you i'm much older than you are and yep. you know a lot older Chris. A, a, a lot, lot older I'm, I'm i can't believe <laughs> i'll be lucky if i don't die by the time that we get done this podcast mm -hmm. so uh, if, if i do you know tell my family i love them um but uh, anyway i've seen obviously tons more movies than you have and so i have a lot i'm just coming from a different frame of reference yep. but i still thought it was good i give it an eight out of ten which for me is very very high so i thought it was that really is high. i'm i'm pleased that you like it i'm pleased that you think that this is probably the most entertaining movie that i've suggested um I would be remiss if I didn't mention just one more thing that I had in my notes that I wanted to talk about, and that is the actual dynamic between the Joker and Batman. Um, I love that there are so many different moments where each one has the opportunity to kill the other, and they don't. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's that's always been Batman's kind of, um, you know, like his uh, modus operandi. Like, he refuses to actually kill people. Like, he'll always arrest them or whatever. You know what I mean? So that kind of makes sense from Batman's standpoint. But, you know, for the Joker, for somebody who is so corrupt and has no problem, like, you know, basically um, – you know, he uses the mentally disabled to, to do his bidding. You know, he's doing all these crazy things where he's killing people. He's blowing up hospitals like this is a very corrupt person. And yet he still can't kill Batman. And like there's the one scene where he's hanging upside down, which um, I, I don't I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but, you know, he's hanging upside down. Batman has him there. He could have let him die. But he you know, he pulls him back up as he's falling from this building, pulls him back up and he's hanging there upside down. And the camera slowly rotates to where you're looking at the Joker, who is actually being suspended upside down. But you see him as he's you know as if he's standing upright and they're just going back and forth at mm -hmm. and he's basically saying like i could never kill you you know 
I don't want to kill you because you complete me. You know what I mean? You give me purpose and, you know, it's like the yin and the yang basically where yep. neither one of us would exist without the other. And I just think it's like a – it's really interesting because – you know, in all these other comic book movies, there's a bad guy, there's a good guy. It is ordained from the start, and it, you know, it is, it is destiny that the good guy always prevails and that the bad guy dies. And we are not emotionally invested in the bad guy at all. You know what I mean? It's just like they're the sacrificial lamb, and we need to feel good whenever they die. So for something like this to be left so open ended, where Batman doesn't, you know, the superhero doesn't, you know, smite the enemy. Basically, he's still in this in this instance where this guy's killed cops and you know, blown up hospitals. Like I mentioned, he still like shows mercy to him, and I just think like the dynamic between the two of them, it's so strong, and like they complement each other so well. Um, my only regret for this film is that they weren't together more. Like I would have loved to have seen even more instances where they kind of played off each other more. But um, like I said, it was like a huge part of my notes. I literally had like a page and a half just talking about like the dynamic between the two of them, and I just wanted to give it a mention. No. Oh, sorry, I was just having a shot of Geritol. Sorry, I just uh, I'm worried. What is Geritol? It's, it's what old people take. Okay, I was gonna say you are so old, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nah, okay, you know it keeps me going. It keeps, Do you uh, take it with your Metamucil? Uh, or? Absolutely. Yes, I need. Yeah. I need to get as much fiber in my diet as I can, young man. Okay, let's head on to some trivia. What do you think? You want to do it? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Fun with Yancey. Okay, so Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Rachel Dawes in this movie, mm-hmm. but in Christopher Nolan's first Batman movie, Yancey, Batman Begins, a different actress played Rachel. What actress played Rachel in Batman Begins? Um, I'm getting confused. Was it um, Anne Hathaway? <laughs> Katie Holmes. Yeah, it was Katie Holmes. Okay. okay. Well, we'll give you that one because you came back with it. Okay, how's that? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, The here's an easy one. The Joker uh, had a very memorable three-word phrase that he uses at several points in the film. Yancey, what famous three-word phrase does the Joker say? Three-word phrase? Yeah. Um, a, it, it, he poses it as a question. Uh, I, can, I can't think of it, Chris. Why so serious? Ah, uh, yes, of course. Okay, I thought it was an easy one. Um... <laughs> okay, here's here's one another easy one. Okay, Yancey, they've been making Batman movies for decades now, right? We know that. We talk about that all show. But yep, this right. movie is the first Batman movie without this word in the title. Of all the Batman movies made up till this one, what word is missing from the title of this movie? Batman. Yes, very good. <laughs> yes. The first <laughs> Batman film without Batman in the title. So there you go. Uh, Dark Knight was nominated for eight Academy Awards. We like our Oscars talk around here, right? So eight Academy Awards it was nominated for. Of the eight nominations, it won two. Yancey, all you have to do, name one of the Oscars that the movie won. Wasn't it, um, I mean, it was Best Supporting Actor, like Outstanding Supporting Actor in a action movie or something like that. And I knew there was one for um, like a production one. It was either like sound editing or video editing, some sort of editing Academy Award, but I'm not sure exactly what it was called. Very well done. So you got them both, actually. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, it is best supporting actor, or, okay. or or you know, actor in a supporting role. Not not actor in a supporting role in a what do you say in an adventure film or something like. They don't get quite that specific. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was Heath Ledger won for best supporting actor and they won best sound editing. So Heath Ledger, obviously, we just mentioned him, right? And he did win the Oscar for best supporting actor. In a mm-hmm. in an action movie, uh, and but he, he won it posthumously, so obviously he died before the movie came out. When Ledger won the award, he joined a very exclusive club. Yeah, it's the only one other actor has ever won an acting Oscar posthumously. This is a tough one. 
Can you name the only other actor to do so? I feel like we have touched on this in a past episode. We have. Um, we have. You have said this name before, and uh, my recall abilities are escaping me, so I do not know. In 1976, in Network, it was Peter Finch. Okay? okay. Tough one. I know. I really wanted to get you. I thought I gave you some easy ones up front, but anyway. Um, yeah, that okay. was kind of cruel. Ah, yeah, you know, that's the way it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll come back at you next week with Best Supporting Actor in a comedy film, and we'll go from there. Um, so speaking of comedy <laughs> films, I think, you know, for a while there, I was throwing a lot of comedy movies at you. And then I threw a couple more serious films your way. But, you know, comedy is really where I love, you know, that's where my heart is. And yep, that's your real house. So I'm going to go back to the well this week. I'm going to go back in time all the way back to 1978. I'm going to make you watch one of my favorite comedies of all time. I've mentioned before how much I love those classic comedies of like the late 70s, early 80s, especially. Mm-hmm. But all those comedy movies that came out around that time all owe everything that they ever did to one film that paved the way for them for kind of the gross out comedy for the teen comedy all of that they all those movies oh this movie you know a huge huge tip of the cap and this movie is animal house from 1978 Mm. i want you to go back and watch animal house you're gonna love it john landis directed it he was on top of his game at the time it was um uh, ivan reitman produced it he was on top of his game john belushi was in it and like i said it set the standard for comedy to come so i'd really like to get your take as a millennial watching this movie keep in mind when you watch it the movie takes place in the 50s so you know and there's a movie we talked about the other week and you're like man it seems like this movie took place a long time ago um oh no it was a christmas story we talked about a christmas story you're like i can't believe that movie came out in 1983 it seems so old well it takes place in the 40s you know what i mean (laughs) so just keep this one in mind animal house 1978 next week let's come back we'll talk about it you can even drill me with some questions on it and we'll go from there what do you think i think that i hope it's more on the like the ilk of airplane as far as comedy goes as opposed to like revenge of the nerds which i wasn't particularly fun of but in either event i am up for the challenge and uh we'll come back next week and we'll talk about it i think you're gonna like this one i just have a feeling but i guess we'll have to wait and see until then if you want to get in touch with us again on uh, twitter you can get us at yancey eaton or at c mcbrian or go to popgoesyourworld.com all of our contact information is there shoot us an email and uh, we'll get back to you we always answer everybody that's for sure until next time this is chris mcbrian for Yance Eaton saying, thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 